loss helps us define our lives. By allowing our grief to matter, we discover our own strengths and embrace our authentic selves. Welcome to Good Grief with your host, Cheryl Jones. Get ready to be inspired, to create a deeper life, to make your time on Earth much more meaningful. Now, here is Cheryl Jones. Hello. I'm your host, Cheryl Jones, and I want to welcome you to Good Grief, where we talk each week about the transformations that can come from loss. Today, I'm talking with Joshua Black. Josh's research interest is in the area of grief dreams with a special focus on dreams of the deceased. He first investigated this while doing his master's at Trent University. His thesis examined themes and personal meaning on dreams of the deceased. Joshua is currently in the Ph.D. program at Psychology at Brock University and continues to investigate grief dreams. He's published scientific literature in the area, and as a way to raise awareness on the topic, he's set up a website, griefdreams.ca, to help the bereaved and those who assist them. He frequently does presentations and workshops on the topic, runs the Grief Dreams podcast with co-host Sean Ram, facilitates a Grief Dreams Facebook group, and has an active Instagram page and Twitter account, just search at Grief Dreams. For the last seven years, he's provided volunteer, one-on-one, and group support to individuals who are bereaved. Welcome, Josh. Hi, thanks for having me on. My pleasure. I um, it's it's really interesting how suggestive I am because uh, leading up to to this show, I've just remembered so many dreams that I've that I had, particularly about um, my wife who died. Uh, there, there were some really interesting series of dreams um, after she died, and so thank you for that because it was great to remember those. Oh, that's nice. Have you shared them on air before? Or? Uh, they're tiny little bits, uh, and I'd be happy to talk about that. But first, let's let's uh, introduce um, our listeners a bit. So you somehow became interested in bereavement dreams. Can you say a little bit about that? Yes, it wasn't. I guess by choice. I um, I wasn't really. I always had like a somewhat fascination with dreams. But it wasn't until my father passed away when I was in my undergrad that I kind of realized the potential uh, of these dreams. So I'll just give you a little background, um, what happened. So my father passed away very suddenly, and he was actually supposed to pick me up um, to go to a hockey game with him, and he never showed up. So um, that's sort of the backstory. And then I found out two days later that he was actually dead, um, and he died in his home. And... For me, that, that broke my heart, um, and it also shocked me. It was the first time I ever actually had any kind of serious loss mm. occur in my life, that, you know, from a, like a loved one that I cared so much about. And so I didn't really know how to process it. It was such a big shock. I didn't really believe it, you know. Like, and right. like, you, you hear these terms like you feel numb, and you, don't really, you can't process it right away, and that was me. You know, I, I couldn't actually understand how that could happen. And um, it was. Isn't that perfect. interesting? Since it happens to everybody, mm-hmm. that <laughs> that there's sort of this. <laughs> yeah. How can this be but, true? <laughs> you know, yeah, even though right. some part of us must know everybody dies. Yeah, um, but I think it. We always think it's other people, right? Like, oh, that's going to happen to someone else, or it'll happen to me when he's older. 
he died when he was 55. So um, I wasn't expecting it. So I think we have like, or I had a model that people die when they get older. They don't really die when they're young, right? But that's not true, right? So everyone dies at certain ages um, for different circumstances. I've learned a lot more now, but you could say maybe I was avoiding death in my own life. (laughs) So when it happened, it was such a shock. And Partially age-related, too, don't you think? It's just not something that's on the minds of, I have, um, you know, my youngest child finished college a couple years ago, so that's roughly that age group. She's she's aware of death, she's had losses, but I don't think she keeps it in mind in the way that I do, for instance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you're, you talk about it a lot. Well, that's for sure. But even before I had this uh, this show, just going through such a significant loss as I did, mm. it's always in the background for me that that exists. In, and it's a helpful thing in many yeah. ways. I think so. I think, you know, like, I think we'll, we'll talk a little bit about like, how it transformed me. But one of the ways it has is it opened my heart um, and had a lot more compassion for myself and others that I never really had before. Um, because once you're in that pain, that suffering, you just see the world differently, you know. Um, but I'll go back to, you know, the dream, like why I like these dreams so much <laughs> and why I want to study them. So after my father passed away, it was, um, I was having a difficult time. It was about three months after he passed where I had my first dream that he was actually in the imagery. And he was, it was in my, I was in my room, and he was at the end of my room. And so everything was the same as it was in waking life, but um, like it was all cluttered at that time. Things have changed for me since then. Um, but I saw him, and he was, he was happy and smiling. And so I walked over to him, and I told him I would miss him, acknowledging the loss. And I told him I loved him, and I hugged him, and I woke up. And when I woke up, I felt that something changed. And at that time, I didn't really look too much into it. I just felt good, you know? I felt mm, like yes. peace, almost, that I didn't have prior. And I, I didn't say, okay, I want to study this. I actually just went on to finish my undergrad degree, and I was working on, in the sleep lab at the time. And then my thesis was on napping. So I, I was, you know, I liked sleeping a lot. And I liked, you know, just sleep in general. And so it wasn't actually until I left my undergrad, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do in life, and I always loved helping people, so I said, oh, let's use my experience um, to make a little bit more meaning of my life and help others. And so I volunteered with the bereaved, and they kept bringing up these dreams that they had or that they want to have, um, and that they're different from mine. Some people were having these negative dreams that I knew nothing about because all the dreams at that point were more or less positive um, that I had. And so as a good academic, I decided to look at the literature um, to see what was out there that, so I could help them. And there wasn't really much there. So I had a decision to make, like, do I want to, you know, just stay back, keep saying I don't know, or do I want to try to, you know, do something? And since I had the training, I said I might as well do something. And lo and behold, there was a dream researcher where I was living at that time uh, at a university, at Trent University, and I pitched the idea to see if she wanted me to, to do this topic, and she did. So... That's where the journey started, but it was really because a lot of people were talking about this stuff in sort of um, on the one-on-one sessions when they talked about their loss. That's that's interesting too. In terms of uh, <laughs> this is this is not something I've studied scientifically, but one big change I see in people I interview and in myself as well is that their directions tend to come intuitively. 
Mm-hmm. Instead, you know, that's a very intuitive process that you're talking about. It's not linear. It's not yeah. what should I do? You know, it's kind of I'm drawn to this. Or, that's <laughs> I, right, yeah. I, the world I, always tends to provide you those, I think, moments to say, go this way. You know, turn left, and you're like, okay. <laughs> and so, yes. and, and is that it change, right? And right. I was, and you know, like I wasn't thinking I was gonna go back to school, but then again, I I found a lot of uh, a lot more information on the topic that I had not, like I didn't know prior. And so now, this is why I love doing these talks and being interviewed and and sharing the knowledge I've learned because there's no really book out there or no place people can really hear about this stuff. Yeah, um, I. I wrote. I read one uh, book that impacted me a lot about dreaming, and I think it was Conscious Dreaming by Robert Moss. Okay. Have you read that book? I haven't um, read that book, but I know the individual. Yeah. Uh, um, there's a section on bereavement. That's the only thing I've I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. You 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 found other things I didn't wasn't looking yeah, there's for. There's a couple other books out there, but once again, they're not from academics, and right. they. They don't really talk about the issues that the bereaved go through and yes. some of all the types of dreams that people have shared. So I just have a, a, a wealth of knowledge now that I've you know, probably heard over a thousand dreams of like people um, t- that people told me throughout my time so far in this field. And you hear their concerns and like what they valued, what they didn't value. And I also sort of found out, too, what the culture values. And what I've learned so far along the journey is that um, a lot of people will have negative judgments towards these dreams, or just judgments in general, that can really um, hinder people sharing their, their dreams. And so I think that's why a lot of people, and maybe they're not reporting as much as uh, they could, just because they keep it like, more or less close to them. They don't want people to change their meaning. And, you know, like, so here's some examples, uh, just, you know, you can get an understanding of, like, what I mean by that. So when I was in my, uh, my master's thesis, I was asking different organizations to help me uh, collect participants, you know, put up a poster. And so I went to different, you know, hospices, and some of them, the director said, you know, this is a really good study. We need more of this to know more of this topic. And I said, yes, we'll help you. Other people said, I don't know why this is a valuable topic, and, and they declined to assist which I thought was fascinating because they deal with the bereaved. Um, so they, yes. there's no value in it. And then I went to uh, different churches because they have bereavement programs, and some churches had pastors that said, that, you know, this is great, this is the work of God. I said, hallelujah. And then other ones uh, <laughs> said that this is the work of the devil and you had to stop. So it was the first time I, I saw, like, in different establishments, people have different ideas of this topic on its value and if it's good or bad. And that was shocking to me because if I was, if I had this beautiful dream, let's say of the deceased saying they loved me and, and whatnot, and I went to this pastor and they said that was a dream from the devil, what was good would turn to bad and negative, and I'd be fearful going to bed, even though those dreams are very positive. They were positive prior, uh, and vice versa. Like I've had, uh, I talked to individuals who run grief support groups who say they don't allow their clients to talk about grief dreams. Um, because of what issues it can bring up. And so it's just fascinating how, like, such a simple topic that can have, you know, huge impacts on people's lives, they're basically not, they don't share it because they have, they've come across these people um, that have these different biases. They don't allow them to share. And so that's really why I do the talks and why I'm doing what I'm doing is to say, okay, now it's like you guys have your opinion, but now let's bring some research into your hands to say, okay, maybe it's not what you think. 
maybe this is important. And, you know, just the numbers itself, when I do these studies, you know, like over 80%, 70 80% of people are having a dream of their loved one within the first year. And so it shows you a vast majority of, um, just in those two samples, it, it suggests that maybe a vast majority of people who lose someone actually have these dreams. So it should be talked about more than it is. Absolutely. The other thing I was thinking about is, uh, in my particular, circling back around to right. my own relationship to these these dreams, I worked a lot out in my dreams. And I honestly wouldn't call them, strictly speaking, positive or negative. Right. Uh, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, I didn't dream about my wife when she died right away. But uh, and I think the reason is I was at I was sort of in having she she was sick for a long time so I actually didn't have that experience you did with sudden death uh, I didn't go into shock you know but I did feel sort of uh, elevated like at one and five or six weeks in I had a dream that she was uh, this is going to sound a little funny she was a gay man she was from another country and she didn't speak English (laughs) and 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 I woke up so jarred you know it was the first time I really felt clobbered by my grief Mm. as opposed to I was just living it and and I realized uh, you know, being someone who who examines my own experience, yeah. she had become uh, kind of the least likely person for me to ever be with. Mm. We didn't speak the same language. We weren't attracted to the same people. You know, right, right. <laughs> and so it was really that moment where she felt gone. Mm. But I feel that was important. I needed to grieve her earthly life. Yeah. You know, and and that it was the start of it, and there was a whole series of dreams that all were about coming to terms with that. Wow, that's very beautiful. You said like because dreams can be very can be passive in the sense that you know like they could just be in the background or something. But this seems to be more of an active dream, like it's problem solving. Very it's active. Sh- show very you active. right, like to to sit with that loss and what actually occurred because it's, right, it's, right. Right, it's a process. And then when I met my my present wife, I had a series of dreams where um, she would come back and I was in trouble. I didn't know what to do. <laughs> you know, so again, and finally the, the last dream, um, I told her she couldn't do that anymore, that the oh, nature yeah. of our that the nature of our relationship had changed, that we were still completely connected, but that um, in uh, in this life, I was with my current wife. Mm. And after that, I never had another dream like that. I've had a few like visitation dreams. Oh, okay. But but that was the end of that series of dreams. So for me, and I'm guessing for lots of people, there's something that's being actually um, discovered and and grappled with in some of these dreams as well. Oh yeah, definitely. That's why it's such a like dreams are just mysterious in general, and there's different ways you can look at them, different theories you can you know perspectives you can take. Um, but when I sort of like talk about these dreams with others, it's, it's those dreams 
like when people talk about you know what dreams influence them, they usually sort of bring up these dreams that you know, you don't really need to interpret. They're very straightforward, and it's about mm-hmm. you know almost like maintaining a connection with the individual. So it'd be like those quote unquote visitation type dreams where it's talking about the loss or reassuring them that they're okay. Uh, these types of dreams, but you're you know the types of dreams you had also to process the grief um, and to move forward and to all that sort of stuff um, that needed a little more interpretation uh, to it to the imagery. Yeah, I'm, maybe. I'm I mean, they, they uh, yeah. Honestly, the interpretation came later. Mm. They were just when they happened. They were just experiences, and I, I wonder what you think. We we just have a few more minutes, so we may have to come back to this after the break, but. Um, to me, the dreams that I've had about people who've died have a very different quality. Uh, you keep you use the word visitation, and um, they 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 feel to me, and other people have described this to me much more uh, awake, in a sense. Yeah, uh, I think that's why much people... more experiential. Do you find that with a lot of the people you're you're um, interviewing? Yeah, for your and, research? Uh, yeah, and that's why I think a lot of people, I think, see them as a visitation because the dreams are so different from other dreams. So they're trying to make sense of this. And they say, well, it's got to be it's got to be their spirit or soul. But even other people who don't believe in the soul will have these dreams, and they're very vivid also. Um, so they're vivid. They're more real than real. It's just like it's not what they're used to when it comes to a dream. And that's the beauty of these dreams. I mean, there's, that means there must be some kind of importance on this, on this topic for them, uh, for their mind to do that, because they're not having those dreams with other people, right? It's only right. when the other, when the person specifically in the in the imagery. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a very very interesting field to be in, and at the end of the day, yeah, there's something going on, and it's, uh, but we don't we don't know why or what actually is occurring in the brain when those dreams uh, are happening to make them feel well, so different. L- when we come back, let's let's. Uh, I'd love to hear kind of some examples or categories of the types of dreams people are having, whether there's any, um, you know, kind of tendency, do they, can you group them? Let's put it that way. And, and what kinds of dreams are commonly being had by the people you're talking to? Um, listeners, during the break, you can find links to my website and social media at the Good Grief page at Voice America, and you can find Joshua Black at griefdreams.ca. Be back soon. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Relationship issues, anxious, parenting challenges, no more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. 
follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN. The Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. This is your host, Cheryl Jones, and I've been talking with Joshua Black, whose research focuses on the dreams we have in grief. And before the, the break, Josh, we were talking, I, I was, um, we didn't have quite enough time to talk about the types of dreams you're hearing about. Do they seem to fall into certain types or are they, you know, very unpredictable? Uh, we've, we've certainly talked about how they tend to feel more like visitations in some ways. But are there any other patterns you see? Yeah, so like not all dreams will um, feel like a visitation. Uh, certain dreams may. And, um, but yeah, like, so I did uh, actually published a study that looked at common themes um, that occur. And so you can see that on my website under uh, my bio. Uh, dreams of the can themes be reliably coded. So anyway, some of the themes I've found um, that tend to occur, uh, we'll go with the negative ones first. So um, sometimes you'll have these dreams where the deceased is uh, dead uh, the entire dream. They may be dying in the dream, or they actually may be ill and suffering. And, you know, these, you know, people don't usually say these are visitation-type dreams. Um, what they usually, you know, they come away with is that it's very disturbing. And it, they don't see that it's helping their grief in any way. Um, but yet they're having them. And uh, just in the recent study I did, looking at sort of these, these dreams with uh, individuals who lost a romantic partner within the last year, 35% of people uh, say that they had at least one of these dreams. So that's a lot of people um, having, you know, one of these negative dreams. I've had one negative dream. It wasn't uh, dead, dying, or ill. It was more of a theme called discomfort. So what this theme is, is the deceased uh, performs actions or words of discomfort. And, uh, and there's sort of different ways that they can do discomfort is physical attempts to harm uh, the individual. They can criticize, demand things. Um, they could you know, give disapproval. Uh, for maybe some life choices that you've been making. Uh, so different things like that. And I can give you one example of that if you want to hear. Sure. Okay, yeah. So here's one. Examples are great. <laughs> you like examples. All right. Okay, so here's one. I asked him where he has been and why he let me think that he has been dead all this time. I get angrier and angrier as he tells me that he faked his death and it was all just a plan to get the money from the business and insurance and that 
now he wants to resume a relationship uh, again. I tell him that I moved on with my life, that I am now in a new relationship, and I am happy. I tell him I can't go back in time and be with him again. He gets very angry and tells me that the real reason he is back is because he wants all the money that I inherited, that if I give it to him, he'll leave me alone. I get very upset telling him that he is a terrible, heartless, mean person to do something like that to me, to make me think he was dead when all this time he was just hiding somewhere. As the dream goes on, he becomes more menacing, threatening to harm me and my new partner. And that was the dream, and it was a recurring dream that individual was having. And um, just to I guess, give you maybe an understanding of it, uh, anytime like you, maybe someone may have these negative dreams, it's really, I think, um, great to look at what is going on in the imagery. And mm-hmm. if you look, there's a lot of stuff about money. Um, there's about the new relationship. And, you know, you don't have to be, you know, a, you know and dream interpreter to just ask the question, is there any issues, you know, in your grief journey when it comes to the money that you inherited? Is there any, you know, issues with starting a new relationship? Right? Because these are common issues I think many people sure. feel. That would and be sort of transparent, you, wouldn't it? Yeah, they're very transparent. Yeah. You just have to see the dream in that way. And if you just ask that simple question, people can connect the dream to, you know, what's going on in their life. And so um, the individual said, yeah, she's having basically a hard time accepting the money because she felt that she didn't deserve it, that he had to work so hard, and he was such a good person, and yet she's the one that gets suspended. And so mm. she's having great conflict with having this money. And I guess having a new relationship and probably spending money on the new relationship. Um, and all what that entails. So it just sort of uh, helps, I think, show um, why some of these negative dreams may come about and that they may change as the individual works through their loss. You know, the other thing that brings up for me is that it's very, very hard to, uh, having lost a partner, which is what you're describing there, you know, someone who's lost their spouse, um, I think there's... uh, it's hard to get the point across that it's not a divorce mm. and that the issues that come up in getting reattached are totally different. Right. Uh, totally different. And there's very little, you know, my my friends, once once I started thinking maybe perhaps I could, you know, be close to someone again, they were like, well, you have to you have to divorce her first, you know, mm. which which seemed completely wrong yeah i think that that's not at all that's not at all the process you don't divorce the person you do transmute the relationship you know you you do have to have to um redefine it in a sense yeah but uh it's certainly not a separation like that no but at Uh, at the end of the day when it comes to relationships like you're not you've never really been in that experience before right so it's like you got to try to like learn how to love more than one person right and that's difficult indeed uh, when, it indeed. when it comes to sort of that romantic thing like you're you're you, that love isn't gone for you know your past spouse and yet you're supposed to love this new person and it's just a challenge to get to get to that point where you can well and i'm a good example because so much of my life as you can imagine uh refers to that loss mm. Uh, that's what I do for work, you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I mean, if I if I left that behind, uh, I don't know who I would be, mm. to be honest. So 
the person who's relating to my wife now is a different person than I was. And that's got a lot to do with this, uh, you know, ghost in our relationship, I guess, would be a way to put it. Or or presence. Um, A positive presence, yeah. Very positive presence, uh, for sure. Uh, And, you know, it takes mature people to relate to someone who's in that circumstance. And, like, also for the partner to understand that has nothing to do with them. You know, exactly. Like, That's you know, like, what I mean. They need to really have a maturity. Yeah. To, but, the, you know, the person you're describing was trying to work that out in her dreams. Who knows what was going on with her partner, her new partner, or, you know. That's right. Uh, Very true. Uh, I met a woman who um, actually had a much better relationship with the person that she was with than she had had with her husband who died. And she described having to deal with a lot of guilt feelings. Interesting. (laughs) So I can imagine all that would show up in dreams. Oh, yeah. Anytime, like, someone has a negative dream, I always ask, like, you know, are are you guilty? Is there any guilt? Any kind of regret? Because these are sort of, like, the the main things that would, you know, promote that negative dream. Because the, when it comes to dream research, uh, what we know is that, you know, dreams reflect our waking life. And so uh, a lot of research has been looking at passively, you know, how they look. So what they found is if you're negative, if you're, like, anxious, if you're angry before bed, your dreams would be more negative in content. Um, and if you're happy, you'd be more positive in content. So just that in itself can sort of help you understand, okay, what was going on before bed? What are you feeling? It has to do with something probably with your loss since you, your deceased loved one's in there. So let's sort of like talk about what's going on, what you're thinking about. Yeah, And you can get sure. to the bottom now, of uh, sort of what those dreams may be. Um, other times you can't. Maybe it takes more of an interpretation, but I just like to sort of just ask the questions. And I think most people know what they're feeling in loss. Um, they just haven't sort of articulated it. <laughs> most people know. Some people don't accept it, but, you know, it's very... Usually very glaring, whatever is happening. So would you differentiate, Joshua, between uh, negative dreams and difficult dreams? Because, uh, for instance, the dreams I was describing before, they were difficult. Mm. And there was a painful quality, but they weren't negative. Uh, (laughs) At least (laughs) I didn't experience them as negative. Is there a difference between those two things in your mind? Well, probably. And I think it, it really boils down to the dreamer itself um, and their interpretation of the feeling in the dream. Because um, when you look at content, they just sort of see it as a positive or negative um, on a scale. But like when it comes to you, you know, does that dream, is that a negative experience for you? Or is it just sort of maybe sort of more difficult? And that's something you'd have to just state yourself. Um, right. We haven't got that far in the research. Um, right. The, like, well, that would be I realize when I'm saying that, given that my whole uh, idea is, you know, go through through feelings, not right, you know, that of course I wouldn't I wouldn't put a negative connotation on um, on that sort of thing, even though it was painful. Right. That's okay with me. So it does reflect me. You're absolutely correct. <laughs> <laughs> so um, now, in the, in terms of positive, more positive types. Yes, yeah, so this dreams. is what people want to hear, and this is what people want to have. So, in past research, um, a study found that people who never had a dream 
um, stated, 50% of them stated they wanted a dream. And so what they're stating is they want these comfort dreams. And when we look on in the media, people are having these positive dreams. And some of them may be, um, I'll just I'll say what the, some of the categories I found. Um, so one of them is a uh, category called comfort. And so this is the, the deceased performs actions or words of comfort. So it's very straightforward. Um, but here's an example. Uh, my husband came and sat down by my bed and said, I've been to the end of time and back, and you know what? I still love you. And it's like for me, it's such a beautiful dream. Um, oh, so beautiful. So, 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 so simple and comforting yeah. and, and connecting. Yeah. It's, uh, and the big thing is you see that a lot. A lot of you know, deceased, a lot of them say they still love them, you know, and I think it goes to show, I think, about the grief journey in itself. When you lose someone that gave you so much love, when they're gone, like, what you're longing for, right, um, and what you're missing, you're missing to be loved, you know. It's like you got to learn to love yourself now, right, now that the individual's not physically present in front of you. So like, these dreams, I think, can really help that out to realize that, you know, people, you know, um, that they do still love them. And I guess I could talk a little bit about this. So some of the reasons why people want these comfort dreams is because um, they have these certain beliefs that if they don't have them, something's wrong in a way. So one of the, the common things I've been hearing about is that um, people may want these dreams because uh, they want to know that the individuals cross over to the other side. Um, other people want to make sure they went to heaven and not hell. Other people just want to know that they still love them. And some people said that, you know, I'm not having these dreams because he, he crossed over but forgot about me. I'm like, where did you get that idea? You know, like, like <laughs> where did that even come from? But you can understand, right, like when it comes to the process, like this stuff can actually complicate grief if people aren't correcting these, um, these, this thinking of why they're not having these dreams. And other people will say they're not, that they've crossed over, or maybe they're in heaven or whatnot. Um, but they're mad at them. That's why they're not getting a dream, because of something they had to sell or do after the funeral. And so, like, this is why these comforting dreams can be so much more, is because it gives them something I think they're really longing for. And other people uh, want these dreams, um, not because they're spiritual anyway, that they want to know they cross over, but they want to remember some memories, because some of these dreams are, are past memories being relived. And many people told me that, you know, I know, like for me, after my father passed away, one of the first thoughts I had was I wasn't going to have any new memories with him. And so I was trying to remember all the old memories. I realized I couldn't remember a lot off the spot. And so some of these dreams actually can provoke those memories for you to remember some of the stuff in those times you had together. Um, And so that's one comfort dream. I'll share another one. Uh, Here's one. I asked how heaven is, uh, and this is to her deceased son. And he said, it's so beautiful. It's such an amazing place. I am so happy there and free of pain. I see grandpa and grandpa, grandma from time to time. Then I asked, what is dying like? He said, it's so dark at first. I couldn't see a thing. Then some really nice guy came and met me. He shook my hand and said, come with me. It wasn't God or Jesus. I can't remember his name. Then what seemed like a really long time, we opened a door and it was the most beautiful place you could ever see. I'm so happy there. So that was the individual's dream. And, you know, the individual stated after that, you know, she thought it was a visitation. But also she was relieved to know that he was safe and happy, which we sort of talked about. But also it was uh, very active in problem-solving because I guess she said, I had fears of dying prior to this, 
but because of the dream, it released relieved some of those fears. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. That makes that makes sense to me. Um, you know, the other the other thing that comes to my mind is. Uh, a visitation dream, a comfort dream, that kind of dream where you're just with the person, people often wake up and feel as if they've been with the person. And isn't that our longing for just one more minute? Yeah, exactly. And so, and so there's a way that it, that is satisfied Yeah. Uh, when you wake up from a dream like that. You've been with that person. It does mm. feel that way. And then, well, of they- course, a minute later, people often get very depressed because they they don't count it. Oh, it wasn't real. It was just a dream. But mm. I think we might want to count it, it because the relationship hasn't stopped just because the person died. No, and that's sort of like the continuing bonds thing. But I think exactly. you know, what, these, what these dreams can provide is actually a new memory because it was an experience. Right At that time, you didn't know it was a dream. So it was actually an, uh, an experience that your mind had. And so, you know, that in itself can be a very beautiful thing because if the last moment you saw them, they were maybe, you know, dying of cancer, you know, they weren't looking great. A lot of these dreams, the deceased is healthier than when they were prior. And so you get this vision of them or this image of them that they're like in their, you know, 50s or 40s or something, right, just, just healthier. And so it's like you, it's, it's like this new sort of, your newest memory, your last memory is actually an uh, image of them actually happy and healthy and what that can do on the grieving process if the last moments you had of them when they were suffering because there to me that that part watching someone suffer and all that is potentially traumatic oh yeah and so i can imagine that some of these dreams are trauma trauma dreams Oh, yeah, very uh, you know, PTSD, right? A lot of these... Yeah, so, so then I can picture that having dreams of wellness help to ma- give that some proportion. Mm, yeah, I believe that. So uh, when we get back, we have another break now, but uh, I noticed you work a lot with kids, so I definitely want to talk about that. Having had some when, I, when my, my own... Uh, biggest loss came along. I'm really interested in that. And and just sort of continue to talk about how people view these dreams and what your your hopes are for how how this study might help uh, going forward. Okay. Um, listeners, during our bre- break, go find both of us or you can do it later. My website is weatheringgrief.com. You can find Joshua Black at griefdreams.ca. Back soon. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. 
We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. I'm here with Joshua Black, a grief dream researcher. And uh, Josh, before the break, I was saying I really wanted to spend some time uh, continuing to talk about these different kinds of dreams people have, but I didn't want to get away without referring to children a little bit because um, uh, maybe this is a personal thing. Um, One of my kids, who was two and a half when my first wife died, had some pretty profound dreams and experiences and I'm guessing lots of kids do mm-hmm. um, so I was I was interested in in what you've discovered about that well when it comes to the research on children's dreams there's even less than what's the little that's out there um, but just in you know you know talking with others and um, I was a part of Camp Aaron last year where I got to I was able to it's a camp for grieving children if you don't know what mm-hmm. it is and so I was able to, I was invited to talk about grief dreams with them and build dream catchers. And a lot of them had grief dreams of their, their loved one. And some of them were positive and some were negative. So in the, in, when looking at some of the research, there's a couple of studies done. And the one study that uh, did look at it, uh, in one of their samples, 55% of children who lost a parent dreamt of them. And that's, you know, it's about half. And so if that's any... If that has any meaning, that means that these dreams are, you know, it's happening to them also. And, you know, what are their views of these dreams? You know, some of them, they are positive, but some of them could be disturbing. So uh, there was one child, it was a case study, and the child had this dream with the deceased, you know, it was a, a comfort dream. But then the, the, uh, the child became very frightened and afraid and scared. And so the individual was talking and basically said that the individual's fear was based on the idea that her, the dad um, could see everything that she was doing um, and oh, wow. framed her, right? Because she, I guess, had this idea that he judged her or whatnot. So there's no secret. So, like, it's about, you know, hearing these dreams because some of these dreams may um, be impacting individuals' uh, grief and they may be interpreting them or looking at them in a certain way that, they need assistance to relieve some of the stress or, or just change the meaning in such a way that it's a positive meaning rather than a negative one. That's interesting. Plus, I could imagine that uh, kids relate to all that very differently at different ages. Yeah. Um, you know, for my daughter was two and a half, this particular child. <laughs> I had an older one, too. And um, she was very matter-of-fact about it. 
you know, there was no big, um, it just she had the dream, she told me, and that was that, you know. Okay. <laughs> no, nothing further to do. And, you know, it, it had more impact on me, I think. Mm. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you what I'm talking about. The night after she died, we actually, af- after her body left, we had a wake and then um, her body was taken and we were, we remade the bed. We all slept in the same room and in the middle of the night, she fell out of bed, which she never did. She was two and a half. So, you know, that was, that was over. But, um, I, I said, what happened? And she said, uh, that my partner had been climbing up a ladder and she started climbing up the ladder too. And she turned around and said, no, no, baby, not now. Go back. Oh, interesting. Now, to me, that was a, an extremely profound dream. Mm-hmm. But she was like, oh, just da-da-da-da-da. And she never, <laughs> you know, I mean, that was that, you know. So right. kids that young are just going to have these very deep dreams, but, you know, they just kind of melt into the ether in a way. Well, it could. I think it's always good to ask, right? Like, did that dream mean anything to you, right? Like, what did you, was that a positive experience? Was it a negative experience, right? Like, until you ask those questions, the child, you know, will just can hide it, right, very easily. It, especially, I've realized, children can uh, definitely, like, if they hide their emotions to sure. um, try to help their, their other parents that are alive, uh, their caregivers. Um, and, and so sometimes you have to direct, directly ask the question of, you know, was, you know, are you having these dreams? Have you, and if you are, are they positive or negative to you? And to just, you know, yeah. have a conversation around them. Because that's the problem. Like, they, you know, they're having these dreams. They may not talk much about them to you, um, but they might have these belief systems that may imp- be impeding their own grief or maybe helping it. And you want to know, right? Because you want to be a part of their growth. Sure, sure. Yes. And again, different at different ages. Yeah, that's, that's very true. Because and- I, two and a half year olds are just learning, of course, you know, being who I am, we talked a lot about feelings and this and that, but they're they're just basically learning how to take all that stuff in their body and give it a name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you That's know, right, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it's they may not be talking, and it doesn't mean what it would mean in a seven-year-old or a ten-year-old for sure. That's right. I think so you know, like when we're talking about children, I think the same applies to even adults because. I've learned from talking with enough people, I never know when a dream is going to be um, a positive experience to people or a negative experience. And sometimes, I, like I first thought, okay, all negative dreams are negative to the individual when they wake up, and positive dreams are positive. But it's actually not the case because of the belief systems people hold, right? So some, you know, based on people's culture, based on, you know, um, different things, um, where they are on their grief journey, a positive experience could actually be very negative. I even had an individual uh, tell me that she was having these positive dreams all the time. But every time she woke up, um, it opened up the wound of grief. And so she, tried, she found a way to not have these dreams anymore. I thought that was very interesting. So even though they're like, you know, very comforting or positive themes, the individual found them very heartbreaking and negative um, when she woke up. So she actually didn't want to have them. It's not usually the case, but some people have that. And sure. Other, and when it comes to spirituality, some people who um, are, are Buddhist and believe in reincarnation, they may believe that 
um, having one of these comfort dreams uh, will signify that the, the soul isn't reincarnated, and that's a negative thing um, at times. So it's, you never really know. That's why I always say, um, ask the person if they've dreamt anything and then you know, what that means to them and to not assume anything other than what they're giving you. For sure, very important in general, isn't it? Yeah, to, in to, life, right? to take to take context. And speaking of context, I just wanted to touch on. Um, you know, I know that dreams mean very different things in different cultural contexts and uh, different countries. For instance, there's there are countries where you must dream. Uh, you know, kids are trained to dream every night, and if they don't have a dream to tell in the morning, they're sent back to sleep. And, you know, wow. yeah. Um, so <laughs> I, I wonder how that's impacted, if it has, what you're researching and, you know, um, whether you have any sense of the differences in this area in different cultures. Well, there's not, I said, at the end of the day, there's not much research out there on um, the differences in, in cultures. So um, I only know sort of, you know, secondhand information. But that's hopefully one step that, you know, research can take forward um, is to sort of look at the different cultures and ask them the questions about these grief dreams and what it means to them in that culture to get an idea of, you know, how how is grief di- even how like how is grief different between cultures and then how are these dreams um, impacting their grief? Uh, is it the same or is it differently? And are they having the same kind of themes? Um, and that's just you know future research, right? Uh, yeah, I wanted to ask you about that too. You know, what are your what are your hopes? I know that you actually work with bereaved people, and I'm sure you bring this into that work a lot, but it also seems as if you have a passion to learn more about this. Um, It's a fascinating topic for me, and, like, the more I hear these dreams, the more I'm just blown by, like, what they're doing for an individual's life. And, you know, we haven't, there's so many dreams I I could share, but... For my goals is, like right now, um, the project I'm working on is to help those people that um, believe that when they don't get a dream, it's a sign of something negative. So I want to sort of really look at that. And so my project is looking at what factors predict dreaming of the deceased. So I want to look at sort of to give, I want to give these people a scientific explanation other than the deceased is mad at them, um, that may be a reason why they're not dreaming of the deceased. And so it just puts it in context to say, you know, that's your, those are your beliefs, but, you know, research is saying that it could be this. And to sort of take that burden off their shoulders um, as they sort of move forward. And so that, those are the questions I'm, I'm looking at. So the next one uh, I'll be looking at also would be uh, what, what factors sort of uh, predict dreaming of a, uh, a positive dream of the deceased or, or a negative dream? Like, what, why do some people have those positive dreams versus negative dreams? And that could help people sort of understand more of maybe where they are and maybe in the grief process and the grief journey, um, help clinicians sort of value these dreams a little bit more. Um, but at the end of the day, it's just like I'm really starting at the bare minimum. There's really not much research out there, and there's just so much golden information that it's just, you know, you're just waiting to dig up to help people and to not just help people, but the, to get clinicians and other researchers in the grief community to actually value this experience uh, for them. I talked to I'd individual. Be, yeah, I'd be fascinated to know if there's a difference between people who have um, 
been encouraged to find closure mm. versus people who've been encouraged to cultivate a, a different form of relationship with the person who's died. I'll bet there's some difference in how they would then interpret having dreams about the person. Yeah, uh, like it's an interesting <laughs> question, right? Like there's so many questions um, that people could uh, be asking. You have enough for a lifetime, Joshua. Yes, but yeah, it's like it's only it's only me right now. So at the end of the day, I want other researchers to come on board and to further this field. Um, and you know, you you you, you pave the way, and hopefully, other people will walk on it. But you know, just doing some of these interviews and doing the stuff I've been doing, a lot of people are very interested in this this work. And uh, well, it's I'm so opening. familiar to people who've grieved. Yeah, you know, no one who's grieved, they've either had the dreams or they know people do. Mm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I can imagine. <laughs> Before I let you get away, do you have a favorite dream that you've that someone has told you, or that you've had yourself? Either way. Well, probably the the ones I had myself are always my favorite. <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you one dream. Um, I think, yeah, I'll tell you one dream I had, so like, especially like the one with my father, um, that was a really cool one, the first one I had, but I think one of the more interesting ones I had was when, uh, I was like probably the third dream in my series, and I was in a waiting room, everything was white like it was in like the Matrix scene with like Nero Morpheus, and everything's white, and I'm, I'm sitting by, and this person walks by, and he said, he'll be with you in a second. And I got so excited because I knew he was talking about my father, and then I woke myself up, and then I couldn't get back to bed. So he wasn't actually in the dream, but I was, it was almost like I, was, like I almost went to him to meet him, like in this like, you know, heaven plane or whatever. It was just so cool, and I was just smiling because I was, got so excited I woke myself up. <laughs> like, <laughs> but like other dreams that I get, the ones that I think are very, you know, that I find so special is how powerful these dreams can be. I had an individual who uh, lost someone through suicide, and he went through a huge depression and became addicted to different substances. And he, he shared this dream. He said, after I had this dream of um, his buddy that passed away, uh, two years after his death, he said, that dream changed me. All, it was basically him giving the, the thumbs up that he was okay, but it changed him. And he said he basically quit the addiction. He found joy in his life after that. And it, just, it did a 180, like a 360, right? Like, or 180. And so, like, these dreams have so much power in people's lives that is just so fascinating to me. I always say uh, one dream can be like 10 years of psychotherapy. It can just change you without really a fully understanding of why. You know, it's just something clicks after the dream. And that's that's, what that resonates with me just just from I'm not a, a a person who remembers my dreams all the time, but uh, I have had notable processes that work themselves out in dreams. Um, so I'm I'm glad we we ended there. That potential of dreams to really change things for us and how we can make use of that, especially in terms of bereavement, because it's a less linear place, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I really want to thank you for being with me today. It's been a pleasurable conversation, and I hope we'll keep in touch. And and listeners, you can find Joshua at griefdreams.ca. Please go and look for him. This has been Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. I look forward to being with you again next week for another meaningful conversation. Thank you so much for joining us for Good Grief. 
Please come back next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Cheryl Jones, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a meaningful week. Abre mi corazón.